3: Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my co-host, PK, Miss Kirkman. How you doing
4: tonight? I'm doing absolutely fine. If it keeps staying hot like this, I'll be slim and trim as could be because <laughs> it's like living in Atlanta. I
3: guess it is. Oh, my goodness. Well, it feels like fall here. We're down into like, the 50s tonight. Oh, god i'm so jealous <laughs> but you won't be in the next couple months when it starts getting really cold oh, i'll be jealous of you
4: well okay um it's a good trade nah, I don't... it is. We trade this I'll jealousy off Heck. Yeah. <laughs> no. us, like,
3: this has been a crazy crazy week another one so oh, what think? <laughs> what can we expect and what have you been looking at for the numbers
4: Well, the first thing that I really think everybody needs to pay attention to is this month has been wrapping up what we did last year. So we've been getting, you know, insights into things like that. But we're getting ready to go into September. And sorry, folks, but September is going to be a review of this entire year. Restrictions, limitations. Think of all the things that we've been going through all year long that we all hate. We're going to multiply and divide, and it's coming back at us like a freight train. Ah. So I hate to say September is going to be a real bugaboo, but come October we're going to get a reprieve. But in the meantime, we still have to deal with September. Restrictions, limitations, and people are going to be short-tempered. We're already starting to see even more so with the walks and fires, et cetera and i'm really concerned about what's going to be taking place in the month of september because people are walking around on a short fuse they don't the the groups that are getting together have never been together before and each one is egging the other one on and that's what's going to be harmful health is going to be a major issue throughout the world not just the country as will be the restrictions that we're going to be going through there's going to be Many more arguments and angers and more issues about the police and brutality. And the bottom line is everybody's got to calm down, and if they don't, we'll have nothing left but rubble in the streets. They've got to stop burning themselves out of a life and blaming everybody else for it. People have to calm down and communicate, and that's not happening, and I don't see it happening until after October. So that's kind of where we are right now.
3: Well, well put. Appreciate all of this insight. And so we'll just buckle up for September after and try to
4: calm down and not be a part of all this craziness. Oh, people, man's inhumanity to man has been, been uh, blown up ten times over what it usually is. That's sad. That is it's it's really
3: not the direction we want to go in, that is for sure, absolutely. But thank God,
4: look, 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 when we get into 2021, life will get better. But Yay! we got to these next few months. Yeah, we got to hang on by our
3: fingernails for <laughs> the next few months, and then life will be good again. Yay. Oh, I pray it so, yes, yes, yes. yes. Me too. Well, I, I want to direct everybody over to our Facebook page. Make sure you like and follow us there and on Twitter. We've got some great stories to share. They're all on our Facebook page. And we have something else to announce. I just wanted to make sure everybody knows this, that our guest, who's been on a number of times, Ed Edwards, and researcher John Krutz, who is from the Rhine Center, they are both going to be on coast-to-coast to Coast tonight. And that, if you got to be a, either an early riser or somebody who stays up all night to see it or to listen to it, I should say, 3 to 5 a.m., that's when they're on. And as you know, Ed and John both have been terrific guests on our show, and Ed's going to do a live demo just like he did here. So if you want to catch it, that is tonight, 3 to 5 a.m. So let's get down to what we're doing because we've got, Two fabulous guests, my dear yeah, we friend do. Renee Barnett. Yes, she's joining us. And now, everybody may not know this, but Renee is very famous. She is a veteran television producer, <laughs> and she's laughing. Specialized, true, <laughs> specializing in entertainment, special series, documentaries, reality-based programming. She does it all. Now, Renee has produced hundreds of hours of really good television, including. Ripley's, believe it or not, Unmasked, Exposing the Secrets of Deception, Strange Universe, Places of Mystery, Guinness Book of Records, Primetime Conspiracy with Jesse Ventura and many, many others. She is returning to her radio roots. Well, actually, she did that 13 years ago when she established and launched Night Vision Radio, which is an excellent sister radio show. And she did a weekly show covering conspiracies, hidden history, And the paranormal. And now she's relaunching mid September on KGRA Radio. So be sure to make a note of that. You don't want to miss Renee's new show. And we are also joined by James Martin, who is a British historian. He is calling in from the UK tonight. It is very late at night there, and he's had a lot of coffee just to be with us. So we're very honored. He's an economist and lecturer with experience in the field of paranormal investigation. Now, James has been a member and investigator of the Worsley, I hope I'm saying that right, Worsley, paranormal group since its founding in 2003. As an historian, James believes that understanding the past is crucial to understanding our future, noting that evidence should guide us, but our minds should be open to ideas. I love that. That's wonderful. So 100%. I'm going to introduce our guests tonight. Both Renee and James, welcome to the show. How are you both? Hi there. Just Hi everyone. Good evening.
5: One, sorry, Great just wanted to make one little uh, one little correction there. James is actually joining us from his home where he's recently moved I'm in sorry, Southwest in France.
3: France. I am so That's sorry. That's right. He's even he's even staying up later than I thought. France, that's right. Isn't that like another hour away?
4: Yep. Bless your heart. Yep,
5: that's right.
3: That's right. Now, I wanted to, to start off with something extremely exciting that both of you are doing. You are involved in the next haunted live stream at none other than the Lizzie Borden House right here in Massachusetts. So this is a do-not-miss event, everybody. You can join in for 19.99. dollars is going to be great. And I'm going to let you both take it away and tell everybody what this is about.
5: Well, uh, you know, as a producer, I've most recently been working with a company uh, of some colleagues of mine called Dark Zone Productions. And back in May, we we the first ever to do a live streaming event that went 24 hours a day and went all over the world. It was fully immersive, fully interactive, and we did it from the real house that was portrayed in the Conjuring movie. Uh, it was very exciting and fun and popular with our viewers, and so we decided to do it again and so we are uh, doing it this time live. It's called the, from the Lizzie Borden Murder House, and it starts Ooh. Friday, this Friday, uh, August 28th, and runs through the 31st. So it's, it's going to run 24 hours a day. There will be cameras that run all night that people can monitor, record evidence, whatever they like. And then during the daytime hours here in the U.S., we'll have visitors coming in, uh, a lot of uh sort of celebrity-type ghost hunter hunter characters and experts like James Martin, who is going to share with us some of the history of that local area. We've got uh, some psychics coming in. We have got – I'm very excited. Uh, Patricia, I know you know Lynn Buchanan, who was one of the original remote viewers. Well, Lynn has been training a young woman for the last – oh. I want to say 29 years, uh, named Lori Lambert Williams. And she is uh, very proficient. She has become a trainer, and she has her own company called Intuitive Specialists, plural.com. And she has her own team of remote viewers. And she, she brought together a group of 10, or not together, remotely each of them, and had them view this case. So they're going to be revealing their results live. I don't even know what they are. I understand they were very consistent among each other, and that they were very exciting, and they had a lot of uh, things to say about who did the crime and and a lot of evidence that goes toward motive. So that's going to be really, really interesting, and to see the revelation of that report by, by Lori. And it's possible that Lynn may pop by. Uh, he certainly was invited, but he's also right in the midst of a family medical emergency. So we may see him, we may not, but certainly his work will be evident in everything that Lori does, and so we're very excited about that. And James, why don't you talk a little bit about what you're going to be focusing on if you don't
1: give anything away, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. In silence. Um, yeah, so it's, it's really uh, interesting for me as a historian to be involved in a really famous murder case in the U.S. Uh, it's sometimes called the um, American Jack the Ripper uh, murder. And I've got a few um, things that I've uncovered, like, let's just say, that I'll add maybe to the, the mystery, the whodunit, if you will, that might make um, some of our um, thoughts at the moment uh, change. We might look for some other suspects. We might have a look for multiple suspects. Uh, there will certainly be some uh, interesting facts revealed uh, on the show. Well, yeah, I, I can't, can't wait this time. for this.
5: And another thing that we're having this time that we did not have last time and got so many requests is we're also uh, simulcasting with Spanish subtitles so we'll get even more of the world involved uh, in this live stream and and I'm so happy that we were able to offer that this time we had so many requests so should be a big crowd uh, we had a lot of community forming at the last one that still exists uh, you know forming little special rooms on Facebook and and all that so we've got a lot of people that are kind of following what we're doing and we're hoping to gather up even more because we're having a lot of fun and we came up with this idea or I should say our executive producers I wish I'd thought of it but it was uh, Jay Bloomkey and Kathleen Burns that called me on this project several months ago uh, and said we thought of this idea you know are you crazy enough to try it with us we don't know how it's going to turn out I said yeah I, I am. I'm I'm crazy and I'm bored. There's nothing going on in production. <laughs> <laughs> There's no shooting or anything. So I said, let me jump right on this. And I swear it nearly killed us. And I can't believe I was crazy enough to do it again. Uh, but we're all so totally enthralled with the story and really involved in, in putting on a good show that it's it's been a lot of fun. It's well worth uh, the missed sleep. You know, I'll catch up next week. On Tuesday, I'll be unconscious completely. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a zombie time. State. Well, we're gonna be doing, you know, an investigation. You coffee, Renee. Yeah, oh I do, I do. I need to go to the PMU cafe and have a nice uh cup of strong French coffee. But uh we're uh barreling towards it but we, you know it's it's really exciting because we're not only doing well last time it was strictly paranormal investigation, which was fine. Great. This time it's also a murder investigation. So we're doing, you know, a murder investigation and we're doing paranormal investigation. So in it combining the really two... It really is in such a paranormal
1: area as well.
5: That's right. That's right. In, and, the, and, the entire area
1: is renowned for uh, paranormal activity, um, you know, just outside the Bridgewater Triangle. Oh, of, that's uh, right, Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's a very, very special supernatural area, that triangle
5: here. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that area uh, also during the event. But, uh, you know, we have uh, an expert on the Bridgewater Triangle and sort of some of the paranormal activity around that area. But also James has uncovered some really interesting kind of bizarre stories and facts uh, from that time period. I mean, it was 1892, and... You know we had during that same time period the Jack the Ripper murders and also the uh serial killers of the Chicago World's Fair by a, a guy named h h holmes and so we decided also to have one sort someone sort of look at that time period uh astrologically and it turned up some very weird things and in, in um you know, conjunctions of planets and things like that that don't come around except every 500 years and things, and then also some things in Lizzie's personal chart for August 4th, 19, uh, 1892, which was the day of the murders. It was also August very 4th. odd. No
3: kidding. Oh, my goodness. That's yeah. my birthday.
5: <laughs> Not 1892. Happy birthday. Ooh, you just yeah.
6: passed. <laughs> yeah, now, you're I also to have Tony Ratham
5: with you right you're going to have Tony Tony Rathman and Cherie his wife are are going to be with us they're a ghost hunting couple from Arizona they uh, have that crazy uh, haunted hospital over there
3: Yeah.
5: well yeah and they, they, they have a paranormal school a ghost hunting training school at this extremely haunted old hospital I mean just looking at it scares me but they give classes there, you know, where they train people uh, to use ghost hunting equipment and how to approach a potentially haunted area and all kinds of things. And their whole family, the kids too, get involved in it. and They're just amazing. But, yes, his major thing in, in my book is his, what he calls his Evox, which is a souped-up strength box or spirit box. I've never seen any Thing like it
4: and James
5: can testify to this too we actually heard our friend
4: <laughs>
5: Many years who had just uh, passed away yeah.
3: isn't that great you know no, I just had a session James. with him I'll share this very quickly and oh. Becky came through numerous times
5: oh really
3: yes and, and oh. I could tell it was her and it was, it was amazing so I highly recommend him to people now who want an experience like that because he wow. is Excellent. And I'm so grateful because I met him through you, Renee. but tell everybody how they can sign up and pay for this uh 4-day experience. How can they do that?
5: You can go to uh, it, to our website. It's called the dark zone, thedarkzone.tv and on the front page just have a look. It'll show you how you can register and buy your ticket. Uh it, it's also on the dark zone Facebook page information is there, uh, but we're pretty easy to find, and uh, so just go to the dark zone, uh, dot TV and you'll get everything that you need there. If you have a problem, of course, shoot us an email through through the Dark Zone, and we'll help you out. But should Great. be quite simple. Well, yep.
3: it's going to be a very exciting weekend for anybody who signs up for that. I highly recommend it. I know the last one was tremendously. Exciting and new things happened and new insights came yeah, you about as us a on the last one I was and you I just us. had a ball yeah. with that. It was so much fun. So everybody, make sure you to go to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah. We'll, was, we'll have to get you back on another one. Yeah, well, Absolutely. This is great. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. But in the meantime, everybody, make sure you go to T V and sign up for this. You won't be sorry you did. It's going to be an exciting weekend for you. And now yeah, we you, should Patricia. probably. Get to our topic for tonight, which is another exciting situation. And you guys are the experts. Now, as I mentioned off air, we have never talked about this on our show before. So, this bloodline of the Holy Grail is new in our show to our listeners. And it's a fascinating topic. It is one of the very coolest topics I've ever read about and I've ever heard about. So, I'm going to let you guys explain. Exactly. What is this? Are there heirs? Are there people walking around today that are descendants of Jesus and Mary? Tell us. What is this Holy Grail? This bloodline?
5: Well, you know, it's interesting that we just mentioned uh, Tim, uh, Jay. I mean, I'm sorry, Tony, and his evox and the fact that you know we heard our friend Tim Wallace Murphy actually speaking to her, to us about two months after his passing, uh, when I happened to be over in France uh, with James and other friends, and I was uh, connected with Tony Rathman at that time, and I asked him if he could contact someone, and he said, well, that's not exactly what I do. He said, well, "What I do is I go to haunted places, and I see, you know, who's there and wants to speak. And um, he said, but you know what, I'll give it a try. And so I went to bed that night. When I woke up the next day, had a message from Tony that was just a small audio clip. And I got about 30 seconds into it, and I jumped up and started running through the house and screaming. I burst into the bathroom where my friend Jeannie was, like, actually in the tub, you know, <laughs> and say Jeannie, Jeannie, Jeannie. And I said, because I thought, I'm losing my mind. So I said, just listen to this. And so I just played it, and she says, oh, my gosh, it's Tim. And I had already shot it over to James, who was just down the block at his place, and said, stop whatever you're doing and listen to this right now. Next thing I know, I get a a text back from from James saying, that's Tim, all right. And Tim, Tim Wallace Murphy, and he was a very, very well-known author, particularly in the area of, you know, the bloodline of the grail. My favorite book, he's written so many, but my one of my very favorite books of his was uh, Rex Deus, which talks about that very thing. And, uh, of course, James uh, and his two uh, brothers-in-arms there uh, took care of Tim in the last year or so of his life. And so they spent lots and lots of time together. He was basically... A father figure for James, who who, who we have here, and yep. James is actually completing uh, Tim's last book, oh,
2: which happens nice. to
5: contain some of this information. So uh, maybe Jay, if you want you want to st- excuse me for calling him Jay, uh, it's James, it's fine. but uh, <laughs> I call him Jay on 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 our off times. And uh, anyway, I wonder if you'd like to sort of. Explain a little bit about that bloodline thing. I know you and I kind of see it the same way, and but of course there is that idea about the Sinclair family and uh, people like that who you know yeah. people have claimed to be in the direct bloodline of Jesus. So you want to take it? Well,
1: yeah. Uh, when, uh, I was preparing some notes for the uh, show, and uh, I thought, what would what would some nicely in a, in a quote what we're about to talk about and I found a, a great quote from Mark Twain who said the truth is stranger than fiction but mm-hmm. it is because fiction is obliged to stick to possibilities, truth isn't and really it's within that that um, I think we'll be looking at some controversial points but um, there is an idea that there is a um, continuation of uh, Jesus's family Um, through a marriage to Mary Magdalene, um, and with his children, Sarah and James. Um, And a lot of this, uh, yeah, started off with, uh, for me at least, with uh, uh, Jim Wallace Murphy again, Rex Deus, which uh, proposed this idea that there was a a bloodline of Jesus that uh, really continued into the um, uh, various royal families of Europe, and then elsewhere, moving into some noble families. So you'll hear us talking about the Merovingians, who were a dynasty in France, um, the Sinclairs, and really the, this idea of um, you know, uh, tolerance, uh, peace, and also some um, really esoteric wisdom was passed down these families um, into the, um, uh, into the uh, uh, generations today. So to answer your question, yes, they could very well be. Uh, descendants of Jesus and Mary walking around with us today. Um, really, a lot of this um, this idea, which I'm sure your listeners have um, read, or, this idea has been around since uh, before the Da Vinci Code, really, in what's called the Nag Hammadi Manuscripts, or the Gnostic Gospels, um, to put them in a different way. And uh, It was in one of the Gnostic Gospels of James, uh, um he says that uh, these people did not harm me uh, in reference to Jesus. Rather, all was inflicted upon a figure of the rulers, and it was fitting that this figure should be destroyed by them. In other words, it wasn't me that was crucified. Um, and Jesus returns to, to James. And this has really opened up a whole range of possibilities. Here in the south of France, we even have a uh, town, um, which it is alleged, or local rumour, um, and this town is uh, Saint Mary de la Mer. That um, three of the biblical Marys uh, arrived from across the Mediterranean Sea. Um, in fact, Saint Marys de la Mer means the Three Marys from the Sea. So there's a real rich tradition of a continuous uh, uh, bloodline. and uh, Yeah, uh, Renee, I don't know if you want to uh, the, just take on. And
5: and that and within that story. Uh, St. Marie de la Mer, uh, the uh, idea is also, we hear stories, legends, and see some paintings and old uh, murals and things that depict the Marys or a Mary coming in a boat, either with the body of Jesus or with a wounded Jesus. Not clear. Uh, We've also identified some sites, in very oddly in, in Roman Catholic churches in France that depict a, a living Jesus after the crucifixion. Uh, you know the one I'm I'm on about right now, James, yeah. where there's the big trifold mural. I, I can't remember the location. I don't know if you want to divulge it or not. Uh, yeah, but sure. certainly those, those, those uh, signs are everywhere. And among many of the locals... You know, they say, well, of course, you know, Jesus was here, and so were the children. They played in the meadow. And you're like, wow, you know, it's just accepted. There are many, you know, sort of um, descendants of of the Cathar people who were, you know, considered heretics by the church and pretty much uh, successfully, fairly successfully wiped out. But there are still some descendants who secretly, you know, keep those same beliefs, and they very much... Have a, a a regard for you know Mary Magdalene and and the idea of uh, a marriage between Jesus and Mary Magdalene. Uh, I found well, I that you know. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's from there that it, you know, it's a really good point, which is uh, Jesus was a um, a Jew. He was um, most rabbi. likely a a rabbi. And one of the prerequisites for being a rabbi is a to be married and b to have children. So okay. this idea that it, it it's accepted that you know he's a, a rabbi that you know he must have had uh, children and in fact again the Gnostic Gospels suggest this. Um, now the the notion is that uh, under the various uh, Roman or maybe others persecution uh, within the Holy Land at the time, um, which in effect had been in a constant state of uh, civil war uh, for at least 750 years previous. Um, This idea um, that uh, Jesus survived the crucifixion um, begins to take a bit more shape when you then start to have a look at, well, where else were the Jewish diaspora at the time? And one of the second, uh, the largest Jewish community outside of the Middle East was actually on the uh, southern French coast. And there was an idea that if he, if someone was fleeing persecution, then you know, the next safest place to be would be in the uh, in the south of France. Now, there were some churches, um, it, it used to be, and some people believe, that there was only one church, the Church of le chateau that depicts something very unusual. Maxwell there's more than one church within the south of France that depicts this. And that is um, the depiction at station 14 of um, uh, Catholic churches, which usually depicts uh, Jesus um, being taken into uh, or out of the cave. Now, the church that ran which is um, very much steeped within the bloodline mystery um, when they did a film on this. Um, At station 14, there is a moon um, uh, in the sky. Now, under Jewish law, bodies cannot be touched at night time. So, that is to say, dead bodies can't be touched at night time. So, if there's a moon there, does that suggest that, in fact, he wasn't dead? Um, in fact, uh, the church at Moutonnet, um which uh, is the uh, the other place the uh, Moutonnet was referring to, again, there's a moon there. I mean, in fact, there's many other sites uh, across the south of France where there was a moon depicted at station 14. Now, is someone trying to tell us something?
5: Yeah. Right. In, in, in other words, you know, station 14 is normally predicted in the light of day, Jesus being put into the tomb that was... Uh, supposedly lent to him by Joseph of Arimathea. And that's always a daytime uh, depiction in in Catholic churches. But in the church at Renly Chateau, which is at the heart of this bloodline mystery, the heart of the film, you know, bloodline that I did with Bruce Burgess, uh, we pointed out that in the church there, that depicted a nighttime scene. And... As James said, you know, according to Jewish law, you do not touch a dead body after sundown, after sunset. So is was that something that the priest there, when he had that church redecorated and and those things painted, was that a, a clue he was trying to give us? Well, lo and behold, James has now uncovered not just one other church that Station 14 has that strange depiction but also uh, several others, and he's uh, keeping note of, the, of where all these locations are, and so hopefully, you know, we can look into all those, uh, as, as he's already been doing. But uh, I think that's really interesting. Also, with the Randall Chateau Church, the stations run backwards in the other direction mm-hmm. from a normal Catholic church. They start, you know, at a different point and end at a different point. So I'm not sure what that means, but there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of symbolism of mirrors in in in, in the Grail mysteries. Uh, mirror images, as above, so below. Uh, you know, the invisible church outside the church at Rennes-le-Chateau. there's supposedly mm. another church that it's like a mirror image. Uh, just Things like that, uh, you know, just to kind of tickle the brain and make you wonder, you know, what are people trying, you know, to leave for us to find out. And it's so amazing I, I too that
3: that the Renliss Chateau Church remains such a mystery after all this time. It does. Now
5: well, it, that uh, those depictions were 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 changed, you know, and and produced in, you know, the late. 1800s, or was it already after 1900, James, that Sonia had the church redone? I know it was I, I think,
1: like, got I, wealthy. I think, just to bring, bring us back a, a, a little bit, uh, it, it's certainly from the period of Lizzie Borden. <laughs> so <laughs> uh right. Yes, it was the, the 1890s, well, uh, 1900s, yes.
5: If you want to go Lizzie Borden, uh, I'll give you another one. What about the... Uh, murder of the priest, Abby Jelly, another axe murder in the year 1892, the same year as the uh, Lizzie Borden murders. Yeah, what and is interesting with that year in axes? My God. Well, I, like I was telling you, astrologically, I guess it's pretty weird. But uh, also we have some crime specialists, including our friend uh, Colin Taylor, who's a retired homicide inspector with Uh, London Metropolitan Police Department at Scotland Yard and he did a complete cold case investigation of this priest murder for us when we were doing our film and found some incredible strange things about that murder and so we've also had him take a look Uh, not as in depth but he'll be discussing with another crime scene uh, expert the Lizzie Borden murder case particularly the police investigation part so, but
3: what, what weird things did he find? Direction. Can you give us an example, Renee, some, a detail of what strange thing he found with the priest murder, with the axe? What was it? Um,
5: well, it was just a, a lot of oddness because Jelly uh, was known or to have been very, very paranoid, uh, and he was afraid of something. He would not go to his door, you know, if he didn't know who it was. About the only person, he would even open the door to was his niece who would bring him food and I think even she had a particular knock to let him know well he was found uh, one day in his living room uh, with an axe in his chest and nobody
2: knows with all the doors locked
5: nobody knows who got in there how and the only other clue besides the axe I guess was a little tiny piece of paper, they said, I don't know if it was a cigarette paper, James, or if it was about the size of a cigarette paper, which said simply, Viva Angelina on it. And I thought that's very strange. And I thought that might be affiliated, and James, we never discussed this, but I thought that might be associated with a secret society. Wasn't there the Angelina Society or something similar to that back in those yeah, days? There
1: was. From memory, yeah. so uh, I, I, that's an offshoot of the Martinists, I believe, who were a, a, a sort of, uh, I don't yeah. want to say Masonic, not true, um, but a, a secret society, if you will, in France. Yeah. But so uh, I that mean, was... what, why are secret societies so, uh, so interested in this? I mean, one of the things that I can say to you is I was looking at the um, uh, record of uh, an Italian historian who was. Uh, born in 1595, called Odorico Rinaldi. And he was uh, writing a book. Um, I will not do the Latin for you. I will translate it for you. But it was essentially the annals of the church uh, that was started uh, by someone called Baronius. And inside uh, this this work of uh, Rinaldi, um, he uh, was using an extract by a uh, inquisitor documentary of the Inquisition and in the Cathar um, Crusade, or the Albigensian Crusade, as it was called. Uh, and this point. piece was by someone called Pierre de Vaudesernay. And what I thought was interesting in, in there was, I'll, I'll quote this, and again, I'll not translate, <laughs> I'll not speak the, uh, the Latin, but this is... Um,
5: I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh,
1: they said also... <laughs> In uh, secret doctrine, in secreto suo, there we go, that's all I'll do in Latin for you, uh, that Christ was born in the visible and terrestrial Bethlehem. It continues, and the Cathars um, were, uh, believed he was a bad man, and that Mary Magdalene was his concubine. Um, now, again, uh, you've, you've got a, a book mm. that's been written for the church that is again saying, well, we have to suppress the... Cathars, um, and, you know, the, uh, the Cathars, I'll talk about in a second, um, but we had to suppress the Cathars because they believed that uh, Magdalene was concubine. Now, who are the Cathars? Well, the, the Cathars really um, were followers of someone called Bugu, uh, or the ideas from Bugu that really traveled from the uh, the Far East by the Silk Roads and ended up in in northern and southern France, really across Europe. And they believed that this plane of existence is actually hell, and therefore when you go to heaven, uh, that's the spiritual world. And they didn't believe that uh, people should procreate, uh, in other words, bring people onto this planet, uh, they can help. Uh, and with that, they were the first vegetarians, oddly enough. Wow. Uh, so they were very aesthetic,
5: A- <laughs> A- aesthetic people. You know, people may have heard of that group uh, and know it in America as the Bogomils that yeah. were the follower of that person you're talking about. You're mm-hmm. calling it bugu And um, that's probably correct. Uh, here... You know, I've always heard of boga but you know what? I didn't really know what was behind the boga meals. Uh, I only knew that the Cathars sort of uh, developed out of or along that same line of thought. But, but,
1: well, uh, they go ahead. They believe, uh, they believe that, um, you know, uh, Mary was a, um, a concubine, as I say, the, the partner of. Of Jesus, and really their belief system had been around in the south of France for about a thousand years before they were um, uh, crusaded against and quite horrifically tortured. Now, just if we if we just pause there with the Cathars, I'm just going to introduce something else, uh, which is uh, back directly to the well bloodline. Something else that maybe a Cathar believed that there was a, a continuation of um, of Jesus, I mean, the Cathars believed in a form of reincarnation anyway. Um, so the notion of Jesus um, either being resurrected or um, uh, you know being incarnate like that was certainly something they accepted. Um, I should just stress that the Cathars weren't a church. Um, there wasn't. You, you're not going to be able to go to a Cathar church, um, as in a building but it was a group of people with the same shared beliefs. And part of this belief system that uh, Jesus and Mary continues is attached to a royal dynasty known as the Merovingians. Now, personally, I don't buy into this, but uh, the the legend goes that the founder of um, the Merovingians, someone called Merovec, uh, was according to legend the son of two fathers, one who was called Clodio, um, who was uh, the son of a semi legendary king called Pharamond, and uh, a mysterious creature from across the sea who, who allegedly impregnated his um, mother. Now, Meravag can mean literally of the sea, or it can, if you go for Meravi it means child of Mary and so there's been a lot of discussion around well was the uh, was the apparent founder of the Merovingian dynasty actually a child of Mary a descendant from Mary and therefore a descendant from the house of David now the famous book we can't avoid mentioning this is the book Holy Blood Holy Grail by Henry Lincoln that really goes into the central mystery of Esoteric Christianity and uh, um, Tries to expose its so called greatest and most protected secret that uh, the bloodline of Jesus was preserved through his conceiving of a child with Mary, Mary Magdalene, um, who then fled Palestine with the entourage of disciples disciples, landing in southwestern France. And there is a very strong um, cult, or there is a very strong belief system, as Renee mentioned, uh, about Mary Magdalene here in the south of France. One suggestion um, made famous by that book was the idea that uh, Holy Grail, Sangreal, uh, actually is divided, meaning Sang-blood, real, holy, or royal. Um, so it's not actually Sangreal meaning Holy Grail, it's Sang-real meaning royal blood. Um, and that really is one of the parts of the, uh, the mystery within this immediate area, is that did the parish priest up at Rendlesham? So, um, did he uh, know, or did he uncover part of this uh, bloodline? And, um, this explains his, his apparent wealth. Um, and he you know, certainly did come across quite a bit of uh, cash or, or or items of value at least. Um, yeah, he was pretty
5: and, wealthy. He just basically had whatever he wanted, right? Suddenly, you know, he he was wealthy. All of a sudden, you know, I have a little interesting personal story about that. Um, in the in the legends and the the mythos of Rennes Chateau and Father uh, Berenger uh the priest who became fabulously wealthy, you know, basically overnight, um, is the idea that uh, after his death, his maid slash partner uh, who was seen out in the in the garden there burning burning notes and they were saying uh, she was burning you know French uh monetary notes I don't know if it was franks then or or what it was. That's how the story went, but we uncovered a very elderly lady who uh lived uh nearby in Toulouse who we went to go visit, and she was the sort of, she called herself the adopted daughter of Marie d'Arnaud, and Marie was the was Sonier's maid, who everyone felt was also his partner and who he left everything to when he died. And she was the one that was out there burning the um, so-called French uh, notes. And so I mentioned that to the lady that I went to visit, and she said no that she had helped her burn those. And she says no, no. She says it wasn't money; it was documents. Oh and my I said, God! Oh my gosh! I <laughs> said, don't you wish now that you didn't burn those that we had those to look at? And she said, no, no, no. They went against the church. Ah,
2: I said, oh, my I would want to
5: see what that. Uh, was.
3: That's, that's really that's a shame. Story. My God! Terrible.
5: Yeah. And I'm sure this she's is how gone we get now. robbed
3: of our true history,
5: that's right, because people well history's written by the victors, you know, so we have to that's why I was listening intently, James, when you were talking about that uh thing about the Cathars that you said a few minutes ago that was written for the church. I was thinking, okay, do we read that backwards, or do we you know look at it straight on because a lot of the a lot of what we do know about the cathars is strictly from Inquisition records. And and same thing with the Knights Templar. A lot of the Templar information that we have is put out by the Inquisitors, who were the enemy, and of course they're going to make them look as badly as possible, and make themselves uh, look positive. So uh, you have to sort of be in in between the lines.
3: Definitely. You you guys have uncovered so many other facts in all of this, too, and We're just going to take a very short commercial break and and pick this up um, on the other side. And one of the questions I want to talk to you about, both of you, is these descendants, do they they all know who they are? I'm fascinated by this whole thought that we do have people here on the planet that are the direct descendants of Jesus and Mary. So we're going to take a very short commercial break, everybody. (laughs) And you are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio. We will be right back.
2: Pure
0: essential oils, specialized minerals, and a revolutionary anti aging technology. Astridian combines the best of all scientifically proven ingredients in easy to use creams, lotions, and concentrated serums. Astridian's advanced line of products take your skin to a new level of being healthy and beautiful. We offer a variety of collections that address all your skin concerns. The Essential Anti-Aging Series treats and moisturizes your skin for a long-lasting, younger look. The Multivitamin Series promotes healthy skin with high-quality vitamins and minerals. The Sports Series restores skin from cellular damage and stress. Astridian also offers a revitalizing solution for hair and a professional series for doctors and medical spas. Visit astridian.love today and to begin your new journey to healthy, beautiful, youthful skin. Astridian, beyond your expectations.
7: There are a lot of psychics out there. How do you decide which one is right for you? You look for someone who empowers you, who's practical and spiritually connected, who says, here are your opportunities, here are your challenges, and here's a way to deal with them and then gives you your own toolbox to make your life everything you want it to be. Hi, I'm Corby Mitlide, and that's how I work with you. As a certified professional tarot reader, I've helped thousands of people for over 40 years through my toolbox. Cards, past life retrieval, numerology, spirit guide conferences, and mediumship. Whether it's career, relationships, finances, or your spiritual road, together we can replace your confusion with clarity and you'll probably find a little laughter along the way. Visit me at com to find out how to cross your bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly. And tell me you found me at Supernatural Girls for a special gift with your reading. Corby Mitleid, the practical psychic for catching your tomorrows today. Find me at com. That's com. Your
2: property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Available on
6: Amazon.com. Are you frustrated with endless mantras, affirmations, and processes that promise to align your life with your dreams only to find yourself years later in the same space where you began? Do you feel like you must be doing something wrong because nothing seems to be working? Don't you just wish that someone could shift your consciousness for you and your life could align with your desires without all the effort? Well, your wish is about to come true. Hi, I'm Carrie Cannon, and I have a gift that allows me to align the consciousness of others to be in harmony with their dreams. The best part is, it requires no particular effort on your part. Upon listening to a consciousness alignment, people have reported instant energy shifts, financial windfalls, soulmate connections, healed relationships, physical healings, and more. To gain access to a free trial offer for my entire Manifesting Miracles library of consciousness alignments, go to CommandMiracles.com now for details. Again, that's CommandMiracles.com for information about our free trial offer. That's CommandMiracles.com.
3: Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. PK and I are here tonight with two incredible guests, experts on Bloodline of the Holy Grail, Renee Barnett and James Martin. And I wanted to, again, go back to my question that I started to ask at the end of the last segment. Do these people who are the descendants of Jesus and Mary know who they are?
5: Well, let me go back to something that James said uh, a little earlier as he referenced the book Holy Blood, Holy Grail by co-authors Henry Lincoln, uh, Richard Lee, and Michael Bajant. Henry's the only one who is still with us. He's age 90 now, and he lives there uh, in the same uh, general area as James does now, uh, as did Tim Wallace Murphy uh, in the last years, few years of his life. Uh, but the book Holy Blood, Holy Grail, you know, started out, you know, by bringing the suggestion to me in 1982 as I read that book. That was probably about the year that James was born. But uh, anyhow, I read that book, and I thought, oh, my
2: goodness.
5: (laughs) I thought, oh, my goodness, this is so crazy. Uh, You know, this idea of, you know, Jesus being married and, you know, Mary Magdalene and the idea that women, you know, are really, should be as important as men, you know, because, you know, I don't know about you, Patricia, but, you know, as a kid, I kind of got the idea that it was a little bit better to be a boy, you know, because you seem to get a little... Few extra breaks in life, and the the idea to me was so heretical at that time that I was like almost afraid to to pursue it. But but I did, and then um, that became one of the facts that we were chasing as we did the movie Bloodline, the documentary that uh, came out in 2008. Uh, we basically took that little group of questions or facts that were stated by Dan Brown at the beginning of the Da Vinci Code. Fact, you know, Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene. Fact, they had children, you know, and created a bloodline. Fact, the bloodline goes on to this day and there's a secret society known as the Priory of Zion who's protecting this bloodline and their secrets. So that was our thing. And we started looking and we started, you know, of course... The name of Sinclair always comes up. The Sinclair family as being direct descendants, and that sort of started, at least in the public consciousness, with Holy Blood, Holy Grail, with the introduction of this character called Pierre de Plantard de Saint Clair, and uh, or Sinclair. Saint Clair, Sinclair, Sinclair, the same mm-hmm. family name. And uh, so, we started out looking to see. We did speak to people that were in that family. In fact our wonderful late friend Tim, uh, one of his main patrons, you know, as a, as a struggling artist and, and writer, uh, was uh, Niven Sinclair, who passed away just a couple of years ago. And he supported Tim's work for decades. And, uh, you know, when you ask Niven, he would go, well, I don't know, you know, uh, if I'm in the bloodline of Jesus, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of worried about the bloodline. You know, and we were, you know, we would laugh about it. But I've done extensive uh, looking into that, as we did in Bloodline, and I know that James has. So I'm going to let him pick it up from here.
1: <laughs> well, uh, that's your uh, setup. Uh, Leave <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the easy ones for me. Um, yeah, the, 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 the to answer the question directly, uh, probably not. Um, there, it, it, it would be potentially uh, millions of us, if not more. Um, descendants and I don't think that uh, most of us do I mean it would be interesting the reality is that uh, most people um, don't know their own family history
2: right. so I think yeah.
1: the, the, the answer would be um, so people sure could be, be
3: here on the planet with us James and walking around being direct
5: descendants and
3: not even know it yeah That's
5: true, but also, uh, when we were doing our research on bloodline, we spoke with a mathematician, statistician at MIT who had actually done a study, if there was a bloodline of Jesus and Mary Magdalene, who would be in it today? The answer is, you are. Hmm. Almost everyone on the planet by this time would have some connection, maybe not direct, but some connection to that bloodline after all this time and Incredible. all the, you know, yeah. And it's it's weird, though, because James and I have both been uh, each looking into our family's genealogy, and it's amazing how many times we cross over with relatives and with some of these strange characters that we are looking into, the very ones that we're researching. And my, I didn't have any idea about, Uh, my family lineage, I still don't know much about my dad's, although uh, James has been looking into it for me, but my cousin did my mother's side, because that's our common side, and uh, it blew my mind, because my cousin doesn't know anything about this grail stuff, you know, and he just did it along with, uh, he hired a genealogist to help him with it, And all the names that pop in to our genealogy, I was just, it it was blowing my mind. These are the very people I've been researching. And, you know, supposedly this guy's my 53rd, you know, great-grandfather and on down the road. But also James and I have discovered connections between the two of us. He's also discovered connections between him and, you know, other friends. So I think if we all knew our genealogy, there'd be a lot of surprises and a lot more connections between it people than would. we realize. And, you know, P.K., you still with us?
3: Yes, I am. You know, I always thought you had a connection there, too. Have you ever had your genealogy done along those lines?
4: I've had some things done in the past. Uh, and it's surprising, but there's a little bit of a, a crossover. Because my grandmother was Italian descent, my grandmother grandfather on one side, and uh, there's some things showing up there, so it's going to be interesting to. Uh, re- I really need to dig into it more.
3: Yeah, I think you should because I uh, think you have a connection with all of this. I really do.
1: I think that it's more Wouldn't that we... unites us than divides us. And uh, you know, if we were to look mm-hmm. at, uh, if we were to understand where we all come from, um, then I think we would, you know, we'd appreciate that. I mean, one one of the one of the real questions is. Um, uh, Did these families um, not necessarily know that they were uh, descendants um, and alleged descendants so as not to offend anyone, Um, but they, uh, you know, did they keep the secret? And throughout history, one of the things that Tim really uh, was pretty key on was looking at uh, the symbology that was passed seemingly from generation to generation. You know, lots of um, very unusual symbology. Um, when it wasn't possible to speak out about your belief system, um, you know, about uh, you know any any sacred knowledge that you had, then do we see that in artwork? Do we see that in literature? Do we see it in portraiture, etc., etc. Um, throughout the hist- uh, throughout our history. And that's one of the interesting uh, points as well. Um, you, you have a um, sort of cult of the Black Madonna, which is very prevalent within southern France, I should say. It's also around Europe. And this idea that um, it, you know, that, that Mary Magdalene um, was someone of perhaps Egyptian, perhaps Ethiopian uh, descent, and that she was represented within churches um, in a uh, um, in a way that you know, represents her as a as a black woman. Certainly, she would have um, but you know also, she would have spoke et
5: If I could just interject there, also, uh, there is that certainly that that thought or idea that she might have been Egyptian, Ethiopian, and had darker skin. But there's also the idea of, of the of the dark or the black being a cult or secret and yeah. that, you know, she's the secret Madonna, you know, uh and that's why she's portrayed as dark. So it could be it could be double reason or it could be one or the other.
3: Yeah, maybe. But certainly a people do uh
5: connect do connect the black Madonnas which you see around uh various churches and other places in France a lot. I've never uh, known anywhere to have black madonnas in, in prevalence like that it 's really interesting it 's like they're little traces and little and they 're all hiding in plain sight. You can see yeah. all these things if you just go out and, and look around that 's james 's Philosophy. He says he's a the Goya philosophy. Get off your ass and get out there in the field. <laughs> yeah, go, Exactly. Like, I'd love to, but France won't let me in right now, so I can't. Oh, <laughs> I
4: know. That's terrible.
5: I'll be there well, soon
4: enough. I'll
5: you be there sure
3: will. Enough. I know you will. I got a question also to both of you about. The esoteric knowledge that has been passed down through the bloodline, through the descendants, so the people who know that they're descendants, they've obviously been given this knowledge, which I'm very intrigued with. Has anybody had a hint of what that is?
1: Well, there's, there's all sorts of uh, ideas. I mean, I, I will give you uh, just one notion, something that you can actually go and see, uh, Provided France and the EU open its borders to Americans, but anyway, for those not Americans listening, uh, please uh, come along and go to a cathedral um, called Chart. Now, Chart Cathedral has a <laughs> the exterior of it is very interesting. Um, it, it depicts a uh, well, it it, it, it depicts the bloodline of jesus amongst many other things um uh, i I could talk about that but really when you go in you'll notice that the stained glass is a well they actually call it shosh blue um it is a very deep blue color and unfortunately the technology uh can't be replicated we can't make that glass today now there is one other interesting There's one interesting aspect about it, which is um, studies, uh, and I won't go into where uh, these came from, but studies uh, around what colour does to the uh, human animal, um, such as blues and purples, leave us open to suggestion, leave us open to um, accessing um, the more spiritual side of us. Um, uh, lead us open to to all sorts of uh, things that we would perhaps call paranormal or maybe uh, uh, brings us a little bit closer to the earth, maybe to each other. Now that's one bit of wisdom that we knew that the Egyptians uh, had very advanced uh, glass technique including um, the ability to colour glass but there's one idea that we lost that technology and, uh, and you can still go and see that glass today. Now, what we're not saying is that uh, if this bloodline mystery is true, if there, uh, you know, if there is a descendant, it wasn't all about glass I don't think that Jesus uh, you know, was a glass merchant in trying to make money out of cathedrals but it's just a flavour of that very ancient knowledge the so-called uh, Gnosticism, uh, this esoteric knowledge that that has been lost today that we can still see.
5: That's amazing. It's no. a magnificent place, uh, you know, very, very daunting when you when you walk up to it, I think. But also there's a Black Madonna in Shark in Cathedral as well. I think that's there is? the first one oh, I may okay. have ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And there's a labyrinth inside the cathedral.
3: Yeah, I was there so well, many years, years ago, don't and like I don't remember. They like it when remember. people come
5: and walk around it.
3: Yeah, <laughs> they don't like it
5: when when you I'm try fascinated. to walk the labyrinth. They like they try to hide it with chairs, but it's there. It's <laughs>
3: there. So no, but these people who are direct descendants, whether they know or not, are are their lives in danger? I mean, they are an affront to the church in a lot of ways.
5: I don't know that they are. I think uh, that. The church uh, relies on, you know, being able to poo-poo things like that, although, as we know, you know, membership in the church has been on the stark decline for the last mm. couple of decades even. Uh, so I'm not sure about that. I haven't heard anyone. You know, for instance, Niven Sinclair uh, was supposed to have been, you know, a direct descendant, and... uh I never heard him. I've, you know, spoken to him, met with him, stayed at his home, and I never heard him express anything like that, but just kind of almost mild amusement. Now, there is something I'd like to ask James about, if you don't mind. Go ahead, Um, please. This this uh, supposed member of the bloodline in which our, our friend Tim put a lot of stock, and he's called Prince Michael. I know very little about Prince Michael, But uh, what do you think, James, about Prince Michael, and could you just explain who he is and why Tim put such store in, you know, his identity?
1: Well, uh, Prince Michael of uh, Albany, uh, a very eccentric character, um, to put simply. um, His apparent bloodline uh, ties in with the, the old princes, the old Sinclair princes, and he claims a direct, uh, I'm not sure he does claim it actually, to be fair, Uh, but it is claimed that he is a um, a descendant from um, the House of David and uh, and all of this. Um, I think I I just want to come back to your previous point around uh, uh, Niven. Um, There are, of course, these secret societies that... uh, you know, the Priory of Sion, for example, there's no doubt it exists today. Where, uh, how old it is is uh, uh, perhaps a bit more debatable, but uh, there are those who say, you know, there's, uh, their lives are in danger. I think it adds a bit more to the mystery, uh, and it's a way of getting people to, to look at them. But generally speaking, I think now that uh, people aren't in, in any danger, but yeah... Uh, of, uh, well, we did have uh, we did
5: have that sudden that sudden death as we were getting ready to interview um, the prince. Uh, I mean, the the queen's cousin, who was allegedly a member of Lord the royal family, yeah. Lord Litchfield, uh, who uh, whose home, whose family home, is Shugborough Hall, which is a famous uh, location in this bloodline mystery. It has a uh, monument out on the grounds, which is a mirror image of the Shepherds of Arcadia painting by Nicholas Poussin, which figures hugely in the story and has some kind of coded message at the bottom which people have tried to decipher. Some people believe they have deciphered it. I don't quite think so yet, but, uh, you know, uh, it's just another another little mystery. We were supposed to go to Shugboro And interview him for the movie Bloodline and he was supposedly going to open up his archives for us and uh, I was back here in Los Angeles my uh, partner was over in Paris at the time doing some interviews and shooting for the movie and he was supposed to head on over to England from there and I see come across the news you know because he was quite a a well-known figure. Now, you know, he was the Queen's cousin, but he was also a very famous photographer back in the 70s. And he was very well known for all these photos of Mick Jagger and Twiggy and all these beautiful model, models with giant afros. If you saw any of his, of his pictures and portraits, you would immediately recognize them from, from the time. It was... He, His pictures were iconic during that time period. So he was quite well known, and so it came across, actually came across the news when he died. Well, he had attended a garden party, and it was at lunchtime, and I think it was in London. You might know, James. Uh, But he was quite fit. I think he was around 60 and very, very uh, athletic, very healthy, and he just dropped dead at this garden party luncheon and uh, they said that, you know, it was a uh, cerebral hemorrhage and in the film Bloodline when we were talking to our purported priory contact in the film uh, he told us that, you know, the priory itself uh, uses a certain type of poison that makes, you know, someone die and uh, it imitates a, a heart attack, I mean a Cerebral
1: hemorrhage or stroke. Oh no! So well, I can I can that. further that actually from, from mm. a few weeks ago, a friend uh, uh, David was uh, visiting and he'd explained that uh, someone who was pretty keen in this uh, this mystery um, had died suddenly of a well, cerebral hemorrhage. Um, I mm-hmm. I wonder whether or not the descendants are in danger or the people who protect the so-called secret Or at least those who believe they have a secret to protect, whether or not there is um, something there, because even I, even I have to admit, the number of um, people involved in this who suddenly die of a cerebral hemorrhage or stroke does appear to be rather large.
5: You know, I do have to say that during our investigation and filming, we did have some very weird things happen. We had Reich lines cut one time. We had. Phones tapped in our offices in Los Angeles and in the hotel uh, where Bruce was staying in Paris. And I had to, you know, uh, call him and tell him about the office phones being bugged. And there were these strange noises on his uh, hotel phone. And we figured out that we were being listened to there as well. Now, who do you think was behind that, that? Renee? I have no idea. Uh, We also had one time we were in... This was, you know, so long ago that we were still using using AOL Instant Messenger. Bruce was in France. <laughs> I was here at home. Compu- we were messaging <laughs> each other. We were messaging each other one night. We were talking about this, that. He said he was getting ready to go out to the, you know, so called tomb site, you know, the secret site and go have a have a look. And suddenly I felt like I wasn't talking to Bruce anymore. It was someone that was usually Completely different language, it, but then they were saying things that Bruce and I had talked about. Like when we are having a conversation like that, and we're not sure who it is because we're not face to face.
2: Yeah.
5: We would say, you know, what's the safe word? And it was always the safe word was always a, a word that only he and I would know about. It'd be something usually pretty stupid, like a nickname of one of our friends or something <laughs> like that. And this person that – but Bruce never did it. I always did it because I wanted him to prove that it was him. And that night, in that conversation, I started getting really weary of who was I talking to. And all of a sudden, that person said, what's the safe word? And I nearly fell over. And so I just put this string of profanities, you know, and uh, (laughs) – Just, I don't even know why I did that, but just I put a string of profanities as my safe word. And the guy said the boy the, the typing came up, thank you. We will be in touch. And then it was gone and then Bruce was going continuing on and I said, Wait a minute. I said, What happened? I said, What were you talking about? And he said, I got bumped off right after we said hello and I Oh said, my goodness. I said, get off of the computer. I called him at the uh, Gite where he was staying in France and said, don't go to the site tonight because somebody's been listening to us, you know, and ah. I told him what happened. No, I still sent those uh, instant messages somewhere, I still have them, but uh, you know, that was pretty wild. You know, thank for your so, intuition, Renee. Well, you know, the other thing is is that people were saying to us, you know, like you asked whether people were in danger people would say to us, weren't you afraid? And I said, No, I think we were too stupid to be afraid. We probably should have been <laughs> but we weren't. Yeah. You know. And uh, we were just we were on a mission, you know, and that's all we cared about. But you know, probably best when you are looking into things that some people want hidden, probably best to be a little little careful. Watch your I'd back. Say.
3: Yeah, because here's this poor guy that you were going to be interviewing and he was going to open up his archives to you. And he drops dead of a cerebral hemorrhage, which the secret society group is known to have poison to to do this. I mean, it's gosh, that it's a terrible thing that he was murdered. Like, well, possibly murdered that way. Well, who knows? We don't know.
5: We really yeah, don't know. Yeah, it's a possibility. But it certainly was an odd coincidence, I'll say, that just before we got there, he
3: and it makes you wonder suddenly, what did he have in the archives that you could have revealed to the world through your film that would have been so upsetting?
6: I don't know, but I do
5: know one thing, that Bruce decided to go on over to Row anyway, and when he went there, he uh, he uh, got to go in, look around, saw some paintings. There was a, a copy of the Shepherds of Arcadia painting in there. And then later, when we contacted the the caretaker or the docent or whoever was in charge there at the house he denied there ever was that painting in there oh my. and Bruce said I saw it he said no <gasps> so I don't know <laughs> what that was about
1: that's strange, that's another strange but I, I can attest to that I've, I've been there and uh, it is really yeah that's
5: another piece of proof yep yeah, there it is that's odd it was very very odd Like so many things.
1: I I was having having a look there. There were a lot of um, uh, connections with Francis Bacon. um, And, uh, you know, was he actually the real guy behind Shakespeare? Right. Yes, there's uh, there's a lot of very unusual, again, bits of symbology in in Chopra.
3: Well, what's so interesting to me about this is that it's still something that somebody wants to keep hidden. And yet so much has been brought out by both of you in the work that you've been doing and certainly in uh, the books that have been out about this. But yet somebody doesn't want all of the proof out there, it sounds like. It can be told as a story. But as soon as you get a document or something that cannot be refuted, that's when things get dicey. Does that make sense?
5: Absolutely, you know, and of course the secret archives of the Vatican hold untold secrets from, you know, not just about, you know, what we're talking about here, but from other cultures, even Native American tribes and things that had, uh, for instance, uh, they went around and collected up many, many wampum belts from all the tribes, and wampum belts, if, if people don't know, are these beaded belts ceremonial bells and it's not just beads they actually tell a story some of them hold secrets some of them hold you know uh different kinds of stories about their history and things like that and um the vatican was collecting all those up and one of my girlfriends was the cultural and historical director for the Katua band of cherokee indians and she repeatedly uh petitioned the vatican can we? Can I just come and see the katua wampum belts? Not take them, just look at them. And she, uh, you know, and she was in a responsible position for the tribe. She was the historical and cultural director. They wouldn't right. even give her the time of day. And that's sad!
2: Appalling.
5: Very, very strange. Another thing that they collect, which I think is really odd, and I discovered during some of this research, uh, are meteorites.
2: Oh, And I believe no
5: there's kidding. something mm-hmm. really interesting about meteorites. But well, the, of course, the, Pope, the,
1: the Vatican's uh, observatory, the uh, the telescope in the observatory, Castle, do you know the name?
3: Do you know the name yeah. of
1: it?
5: Wasn't it
3: called yeah, Satan, Satan or, or something? Or something?
1: <laughs> Lucifer.
5: <laughs> Lucifer, oh, there you go. that's
1: the one, in, that's the one yeah, in Arizona. it was Lucifer.
5: Right. It is Lucifer. They have another... Yeah. They've got another observatory at Castel Gandolfo at the Pope's residence in Italy, and it has uh, one of the world's largest meteorite collections at that. It, there's also an observatory there. Doesn't yes, that make that you want to go really
3: raid weird. the Vatican, you guys? Yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
3: Definitely. I, I, I
1: can honestly say I think I've uh, spent a lifetime in uh, uh, reading what they they had.
5: Oh, my gosh. I'd be looking over your shoulder and saying, what does that say, James? What does that say?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just wanted to throw just something in, just really uh, uh, food for thought, which is within the uh, Gospels, the original Gospels, they were written in Greek. There isn't actually any mention of the term crucifix. Instead, it's the Greek word stados, um, which really means suspension device. It could very well be and I would suspect that uh, this is deep and buried within an archive somewhere, but that uh, Christ, if he, well, was he crucified or was he um, suspended? In other words, was he tortured uh, using what's called a crux simplex? It's just a simple pole. Um, Could that be um, the case? I mean... It wasn't until the Emperor Constantine that the crucifix was actually used as a symbol for Christianity. It was a fish beforehand. Um the, right. the cross mm-hmm. was actually a navigational uh, aid that had been used for centuries beforehand. So it was all very interesting. I'd love to see what's in there. It really was. Oh, absolutely.
5: But James, now that you say that, remember that church that we were in last uh, August? I think it was in August. And um, there was that suspended Jesus. I think it was in northern Spain, in Catalonia. I don't think it were in France. Yeah. Very weird, very weird image. Didn't you think what so? What was it? it was it, it a
3: painting, or what? What was it that you saw? No. Thought? Well, actually,
1: it was a trick. No. There was. I mean, there were two churches. I mean, there was one. Uh, that's a, it's a place called Puy Grieg, um which was um, okay, actually. Good. It was an image taken from a former Templar commandery, but there was also um, a, another place, um, at, well, actually from the cloisters at, at the Bishopric of Elm which is just in just within uh, mm. France, where there's a triptych, and again, Jesus is being washed, um, very much uh, alive, but again, sort of suspended in that way. Um, it, may, it may very well be that. Uh, the crucifix came much later, um, and if he was suspended or he was tortured, could also mean that he wasn't killed.
5: Mm-hmm. But Patricia, that the one that I'm talking about, it it was the a figure of Jesus, you know, a statue, right, suspended on this metal thing. It didn't exactly look like a cross or like what we normally. Do. See of the cross <laughs> depicted, and it was high, it was up in the rafters almost. Remember, James? I yeah. Oh, okay, there was something yeah. uncomfortable about it, it made me uncomfortable. I'm not sure what it was, but it, it was kind of spooky or something to me. And also, I'd never seen um, that type of depiction in a church, any, well, anywhere. Period.
3: Yeah, it sounds very otherworldly.
5: It was. It really was, and there was something else odd in that church, and I don't remember what it was. But James, I don't remember you remarking on it. Was it a, a monster or? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember. We've been through so many, so yeah, many. You've yeah, you've been everywhere, were, you two. two. Oh my goodness. You oh. are the merry grail <laughs> travelers. <laughs>
3: oh, yeah. we with, try to be.
1: Uh, uh. Uh, some very demonic uh, looking things. Uh, yes. Mm, uh, devil churches.
3: Yeah, like, when we're it's like how strange,
1: they have that. Uh, there's lots of churches in the area. I'm just reminded. Sorry, uh, when I Yes, I, I do remember it, um, and it was something slightly uh, demonic-looking. But there's a, a church over at uh, Romaniville, well, which uh, um, is really unusual. It has a uh, the depictions of a pregnant uh, Magdalene looking like, um, not looking very worldly. But then, more strangely, right opposite uh, the statue is a piece of stained glass. And in it, it says, uh, words to the effect of, um, come and eat the bread and drink the wine uh, of this demon. Uh, I have made it for you. Um, nice. And there's depictions the of a devil. Now, oddly enough, the two um, bishops uh, from, the, from that uh, church actually became popes. Now, why on earth do mm. we have that with such horrendous uh, imagery? I mean, I can't imagery. describe the uh, the imagery, the, um, the the carvings within there. You know, this is meant to be a holy place. In fact, it's far from it. Um, and again, that's dedicated to Mary Magdalene it just be unusual
3: that is incredible Very now, odd. i I have an idea I think that you need to get the team of remote viewers that you you have for the Lizzie Borden murder house into the Vatican and so we can find out what's really there. I think that's the only way we're gonna know.
4: hey so, that's what a good do you idea. say really. <laughs> <I don't know.
5: laughs> I, think that's I don't know if next... I can talk them into another, into another thing. It's quite expensive, and they graciously, because of uh, my relationship with Lynn Buchanan, uh, they graciously agreed to do this for us, uh, even though we couldn't afford them. So uh, that was uh, really, really nice. Whether I can talk them to doing something else, I don't know.
3: I hope <laughs> Maybe so.
5: because interesting because enough, they will.
3: Yeah, we want to know It's in that Vatican, darn it. But please, again, as we're coming down to the end of the show, this has been so wonderful. Again, thank you, James, for staying up so late. And, Renee, I know you're just swamped getting ready for the Lizzie Borden Murder House to debut. But please, tell everybody again how to sign up for this incredible event.
5: Just go to thedarkzone.tv, and that's our website. The front page will tell you everything you need to know. Just click in there and get your ticket, get your place, and I hope to see you all there. I'll be there. You'll see me in the chat room, and and I'm interacting all the time, as are the other people. We're a very, very small team, but we're very, very active.
3: (laughs) You sure are. And, James, you will be there also interacting with everybody, I'm sure?
1: I certainly will be, yes. Uh,
3: I'll be there on Saturday,
1: and we'll be and then throughout the for uh, the weekend.
3: This is going to be so much fun, everybody. I hope you all will sign up to have this amazing experience with Renee and James and all of their incredible people that are going to be devoting their entire weekend plus to this event. And the cost is minimal. It's only 19.99 for four days. And Renee, you said you're going to have a preview up on the internet tomorrow is that what you said
5: tomorrow night go to the darkzone.tv or the facebook page for the dark zone and you can see our uh our early preview it's only you know going to be short but we'll be there there'll be stuff going on we'll say hi and that is tomorrow night at 8 p.m eastern
3: okay and james we wanted to bring up that you offer tours tell us a little bit about that before we wind down
1: well, yeah, I do. If anyone, if anyone finds themselves uh, here in the southwest of uh, France and are, are interested in looking at some of the churches, castles, chapels, and finding out a little bit more about the history of this area and the mysteries of the area, then feel free to get in touch. Uh, the best way to do so would be on Twitter. Um, my account is at CPT James Martin. Excellent.
3: Well, thank you both. So much for this is. I've learned so much, P.K. I know you did, too. This has been really great, I'm huh? He was my jaw still wide open.
4: It's fabulous. <laughs> I,
5: I, I can't
4: believe it was. So listen to both of you. Is, thank it's you so much. it a wonderful night. Yes, no, thank, thank you very you much.
3: Thank you oh, This has been just great. And we wish you all the best with the Lizzie Borden Murder House. It's going to be another exciting event, again, on the heels of the Conjuring House. Don't miss this, everybody. <laughs> So, we will Thank be you. back next week with another great show. And until then, we will see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone.
4: Good night.
1: Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with
7: Supernatural.